Okay, Foster Care Nation, I have one important thing to say. Yeah, Yeah, we're celebrating over here. We've got Liz and Ashley as brand new members of Foster Care Nation. They've gone over to buymeacoffee.com slash foster care and helped us out a little bit. That's a uh, virtual tip jar that we use just so people can kind of help us out. This stuff costs money, and I've got kids to be thinking about. And as you well, well you'll find out in this episode, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about college money and my struggle with a kid who wants to either go to Harvard or Yale, whichever one she decides is the best. And, and I've got some concerns on the, on the financial side of that. So if you guys want to support our mission for what we do, I would love it if you guys could come over to it's buymeacoffee.com slash foster care. And you can come over there and either donate just a coffee for $5. God knows I need coffee. I'm tired. Um, or you can become a member and uh, have a recurring subscription. And there's, uh, I believe, a discount on there for doing a, a uh, one-year subscription. So however you want to do it, guys, we truly appreciate it. Liz and Ashley, you guys are friggin' awesome, and we love you for it. Now on to the episode. Hey there, Foster Care Nation. We wanted to open up a dialogue and talk with some of the listeners a little bit and just see what you guys have to say. We have a voicemail line. It is at 413-FOSTER-3. That's 413-367-8373. Now, we would love to be able to share some of your stories. If you have a couple quick stories you want to put on the air, or if it's something you'd just like to talk to us a little bit and let us know what you're hearing and what you would like to hear, that would be awesome. We would love to have that from you guys. So if you would reach out and let us know. Also, I'm going to uh, just assume that you guys know that we are talking about putting some of these stories on the air. So if there's some privacy issues, feel free to change a name. Don't use a name. I don't care. Just take care of the privacy stuff. We don't want anybody getting in any trouble on anything like that. We're not trying to out anybody's story out here in the world. So just be mindful of privacy. Again, that is the phone number is 413-FOSTER-3. 413-367-8373. Thanks a lot. And we hope to hear from you soon. You can forget a lot of things, Foster Care Nation. But never forget this. You're listening to Unparalleled Studios. A signal. Foster Care Nation. Listen up. This is Foster Care and Unparalleled Terminator. Strength for the powerless. Courage for the fearful. Hope and healing for wounded hearts. Foster Care, an unparalleled journey with Jason. And again, no Amanda today. Sorry, guys, but just like it has been all too often lately, our life has gotten crazy and she is out with at least one kid today. I think, I don't know, none of them are left in the house and some of them are at school and she has others and, and she's doing all those good mom things that we need to get done in our life. And speaking of things we need to get done in our life, today we have Brad Baldridge with us today and he is here to talk about something that we need to think about. Now, as foster parents, this isn't terribly deep into our concerns because most of these kids come for a short time and stay for uh, a few months, maybe even a year or two, and then they go home. As adoptive parents, 
these are, this is things we need to think about. Even as a foster parent, you can talk with some of these older kids because some of this stuff applies to them as they get a few years older. And of course, we're talking about money because we all need to talk about money. It's important. And Brad is here to talk about college money. And I don't know about the rest of you guys listening in here, but I don't have a lot of extra money laying around. And I need to figure out how to take care of that in the most important way because I have a daughter who has recently told me that she can't decide if um, Harvard or Yale is the one that has the better medical school. But I think she thinks me that I'm going to get that all together and get it ready for her so that she can afford to go to that school. And maybe if you hear this one, I hope you're old enough to understand why I'm laughing at the idea of affording that. Brad, can you help me figure out how to get enough money together to send my daughter to Harvard or Yale? Uh, actually, yes, I can. Um, but here's an interesting idea is a lot of these crazy elite schools don't automatically assume that they're going to be expensive because yes, they have a crazy high price tag, but for families that need help, they, you know, again, they cost in the 80,000 range per year, but for families that need help, they can give up to $80,000 off in scholarships. So in the right situations, a lot of times the elite schools are actually a low cost option. I think the reality though, is you got to get accepted. And that's the other challenge where a vast majority, again, they take the top one or 2% of the, you know, students out there. Therefore most families, although it would work out financially is not going to work out academically. (laughs) Well, actually she's, she's a smart kid. Um, Mm -hmm. I, Sometimes I don't say that enough to her, I don't think, because I assume she knows it. But the truth is, is she was invited to a program put on by Harvard this year as a high school freshman um, to go sit in a deal, the College of of Future Doctor something or other, and have a lot of speakers come in. And she's supposed to be able to sit in on a surgery at the end of the program. So for a girl who's in a small town city, you know, we'll say it's not a town, it's just a small town. She's at the top 1% of her school. I'm pretty certain she's a pretty smart cookie. We'll have to wait and see if that works out that way for Harvard or Yale when they look at all the numbers. For sure. So you are, you know, you know a lot about money and we'll just go ahead and throw this out there because it makes everybody feel better. Um, Financial advice is exactly that financial advice. And you need to make certain that you have like the the financial people in your life who tell you what to do. So I'm not responsible for financial advice here. Brad's not responsible for financial advice because neither one of us are your financial advisor. How about that? Um, we, yeah, we don't know your personal setting. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. And I think that's a good advice in general, right? Is you need to understand how it applies to you. And if you don't, somebody needs to have your particular information before they can give you quality advice. Well, yeah, because most of us take advice from somebody we know. And if you know them well enough, you know that they're broke. And why are you taking financial advice from your broke buddy? He's he's not a very smart guy. So at least when it comes to finances. So that's why we're talking to you today, Brad, because you are a smart guy and you know some stuff about this. So I'm just curious when we talk about college for kids, you know, um, let's just talk about the foster care thing a little bit, because before we started recording, you mentioned that you'd found a couple questions on the FAFSA that, quite frankly, the last time I filled out a FAFSA was a lot of years ago, um, a couple decades ago for me. And so I didn't know that was on there, or if I saw it, I didn't remember it. There, there's uh, some questions about a, fo- a foster care experience on the FAFSA, right? Correct. So, so one of the questions is, have you been involved in foster care? Um, 
were you at least 13 when you were involved in foster care? And if you were, if you answer yes, that automatically makes you an independent student. So that's, what does that mean? Well, that means that mom and dad are not reported on your FAFSA or your foster parents are not reported either. So if you were adopted or if you weren't adopted, if you're just a foster child, you get to uh, be independent, which makes it much more likely that you'll qualify for various need-based aid programs through the federal government. And if your state offers programs, probably qualify there as well. Yeah, it's my understanding that there are a lot of opportunities out there for kids who either are currently or were previously in foster care. And we don't know about a lot of those. Um, where would you go to look for information like that? Do you have any ideas um, like where, where you find that information? Or is that something that, that just requires a good old fashioned college, college try to dig in the internet? Um, well, I think both, but I think another great source of information would be the colleges themselves. <clears throat> I think a lot of colleges out there, you know, try and want to be helpful for fa families that need the help. And again, because of the foster care situation, that kind of puts you automatically in that category of families that they're looking to help. So reaching out to them and spending some time working with them. I think that's the biggest challenge with college planning in general, whether, you know, again, across the board is it takes a lot of time and effort and people don't realize how much time and effort it's going to take until, and it's easy to put off, right? Well, I've got a seven-year-old, don't need to worry about college. I've got a 12-year-old, don't need to worry about college. I have a 15-year-old and I, oh, I, maybe I should be worried about it, but it's still a couple of years away. And next thing you know, it's here. Um, so I think for a lot of families, realistically, if you have a junior right now, at any, you know, again, whenever you're listening to this, if you have a junior right now and you don't have college figured out, you're behind, in my opinion. You really need to buckle down and get to work. Now, again, you may discover that it was a bit of a false alarm and it wasn't that bad. But for a lot of families, it's a really big challenge. You know, I've helped hundreds of families and I've never, ever had anyone tell me they started this too early. But regularly, I hear I started this too late. So, Understanding your options and working with the colleges and understanding how federal financial aid works, I think, is a big part of any student that's been in the foster program. And then, again, if they're out of the foster program and been adopted, um, even if they're reunited with their parents, it doesn't really matter. If the answer was, if the answer yes, that I've been in foster between, you know, when you're filling out the form all the way back to age 13, you get a kind of a, an automatic don't have to report my parents, which can be a huge deal and provide quite a lot of federal aid, um, which can make a, you know, a, a big dent in the overall cost. Of course, college is still expensive and it's, you know, and to talk about that, that's another big challenge of why is it expensive? Well, because they raised the prices and kids still came. That's why it's expensive. Um, and then they raised them again and they still came. So just like anything else, why wouldn't they raise their prices? Right. I mean, the cost of everything goes up if it can. And eventually, you know, there's a limit and you say, well, we start losing customers. Um, but many colleges and we're kind of there now where colleges have started raising prices or are still raising prices, but they're also raising the scholarships that bring the prices back down. So some colleges have said, well, we raised our prices by 5%, but we also raised our scholarship by 5%. So the net price 
only went up at one or two percent. Um, I see. So I think the through the nineties and thousands, the prices were going up very quickly, and I think in the last five ish years, especially, that's slowed down a lot. Not to say, but again, it slowed down from a very high place. So it's still growing. It's growing slowly, but it's also at a relatively high price. Okay. Well, my oldest son has his uh, has a degree, and he did it the uh, the super cheap way. Um, he followed in his old man's footsteps, and he went out to uh, and did the army thing for a hot minute, and he mm-hmm. walked away with his LPN and owes nothing for it. As a matter of fact, with what's left over from from his, uh, it's not the GI Bill anymore. I can't remember what it's called, but his college money th- for his uh, time in in the service in the military. He can finish his RN degree for less than $2,000, which is one way of doing it because I, I don't know if you're familiar with what the nursing, the cost of getting a, an RN degree is, um, but I don't think it's cheap. Oh, no. All right. An RN would be a four-year degree. So typically it's a tip, you know, a four-year college. So a typical state stool, you know, on average is about $25,000. The average private school is about 55000 now the average private school also gives you an average of 20,000 off. So 55 becomes 35 on average. And again, you're not average. So you're going to be more or you're going to be less. Um, so you can't rely on averages, especially around this, because there's a wide disparity between some situations and others. You know, some kids do go to the elite schools and pay full price. Some kids go to the elite schools and pay almost nothing, but they average somewhere in between, right? So, and that could be the same with the state schools, right? There's a lot of programs out there where some kids might be able to get through the state program uh, with maybe a little bit of debt, but not, you know, other than just taking some basic loans, they get through. Other people, you know, are going to pay full price and they're not going to get many grants, et cetera, et cetera. So they may come out, you know, either the parents, stepped up and paid 25 or to 50 to a hundred thousand on the student's behalf. Um, or that student then has some sort of loans for that kind of money. I see. I see. Yep. Well, like I said, my oldest son, CJ, he's, if, uh, if that would cost him a hundred thousand dollars and he pays two, I'll say that was a pretty good discount for a, for a guy spending a little bit of time in a uniform working in the VA hospital. He, he got, he got pretty, uh, he got life experience, he got work experience, and he got most of his college paid for. He's he's doing pretty well. And right now, I'm just going to tell you, even with an LPN degree, the boy's making as much money as I am in a job I've been working at 20 years, which just, yes. yeah, the, the nursing field right now, my gosh. I mean, I can see where that degree is worth it because there's no shortage of work for nurses right now. And um, and he kind of have his, has his pick of where he wants to work and when. It's pretty awesome. It's worked out really good for him. It's one of the few times when he took my advice right up front when I told him, I said, when you go talk to that recruiter, take me with you. Do not mm-hmm. go talk to him alone because the recruiter was trying to get him to be a rocket repairman or something like that. And I, and I looked at, at Sergeant White and I said, Sergeant White, tell me, where are those rockets they're working on? Are they in the sandbox? It's like, well, yeah, pr- primarily. I'm like, all right, boy, don't do like your old man did. Go get you a job where you can serve your country, and then at the end of it, you can be served by the military, right? Like, mm-hmm. go do that. So that's a that's a route for some people to take, and it works out really well for those guys. But right. 
for some people, the military is not an option, whether it's something physical, like I probably should have been turned down because like the doctor said when he looked at my feet, he goes, dang, son, those big old flappers ever give you trouble? That's flat as a two by four. <laughs> yeah the short answer is yes yes they do now um they didn't back then but but you know some people aren't aren't a candidate for that and i'll be real honest i don't see my daughter choosing to go off to the military to pay for school so for you know and and she was over 13 um before she was out of the foster system she was adopted at a, at a very young age and so she's not going to to apply or be able to apply that benefit to the fafsa but you know for the parents out here who have adopted kids you know, these are our kids now, right? I've, I've got mm-hmm. seven kids that I own and most of them came to us through adoption, but I've got to figure out how to, how to handle college as a, as a future for some of these kids. Cause some of them just obviously aren't, aren't interested in college. And I think if you, if it's not the road for you, it's not the road for you. And as parents, we kind of, we kind of can see that and, and know some of that, but this girl's, she's going to go to school one way or another. And I'm probably going to have to pay some of it because that's my job as dad. She is a freshman in high school. So what should I be doing now to get her ready for that, to get to get our finances in, in order and, and figure out how to do that for her? Hey there, Foster Care Nation. We'd like to take a quick minute to step out of the podcast here and ask you guys for a little bit of support. If you could share an episode with people, friends, in a group, with family, anywhere where there's somebody who would like to hear this. Also, if you'd like to join us and support our mission, a couple dollars a month would be really helpful. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash foster care nation. Now back to the show. Right. So yes, as a freshman, ideally you need to understand that there's college planning that parents can do there's college planning that the most of the students kind of in charge of and then there's college planning that you're going to do together so what the students are going to do mostly by themselves and again you may help or have to crack the whip to get it done and that type of stuff but theoretically they're going to choose what kind of majors are are appropriate for their life and they're going to pick a career path a major they're going to try and try and decide what kind of college is right for them and you're going to help, of course, and you you know you've got you're going to participate in that part of it. Um, but then, as parents, you know you're going to decide if you can afford to save and invest. You're going to decide what the family budget is. You're going to decide how much you're willing to help, based on your you know your circumstances. And I think, you know, again, parents that have one or two children have have more of a luxury to be willing to pay more than someone that has seven, right? If you say, well, I'm going to give you 10,000 a year, which won't, won't necessarily pay for it all, but it, it would help pretty substantially. But you say 10,000 a year times four years times seven kids. And we're talking about a really big number. I don't like so, that number. <laughs> exactly. So maybe you can't say that. And um, so you have to decide what fair means. I mean, again, some kids, college is the right path and maybe you're willing to step up and do it for those kids and not as willing for others. And you know, again, people would say that's not fair, but some people would say, well, it's perfectly fair to each their needs. And if they're not interested in college, then we'll help them in some other way. Um, so I think that's part of the challenge, but understanding if, again, if you're going to qualify for need-based aid, and again, with all the foster care rules and independent student rules, it may be a lot different than you realize, because it may be based on mom and dad's assets and income and the student's assets and income which is typical. Um, 
as well as the number of students that the parents are supporting. But that's, you know, again, the typical parent situation. If you, the student turns 24, if they're married, if they have dependents of their own, and again, not usually planning opportunities, right? Where you say, well, I know how we're going to play for college. Why don't you go get married? Um, <laughs> that doesn't work so well. But if it already happened, well, then by all means, you take advantage of it, right? But then, as you mentioned, being separated from active military service may make you independent. Um, and being part of the foster programs may make you independent. So if that if those things happen, you need to take advantage of them, and therefore you really need to understand it. And I think that's what's holding back a lot of foster kids is it's an overwhelming process that they don't know where to start. Most, you know, 15, 16, 17 year olds are not going to go to a financial aid office of a college and hash it out. I think one of the biggest things that parents can do is give them, give the support that they need and show up at those meetings and ask the right questions and help interpret what's being said. And, and again, because a typical 17 year old, when you start talking about thousands of dollars, they're, I mean, their eyes glaze over. They've never seen a thousand dollars. They've never earned a thousand dollars. There's no difference between a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, and a hundred thousand dollars for most 17 year olds. They're all big numbers. You know, there is no difference between a hundred thousand dollars, which is what an education might reasonably cost in some situations, and ten thousand dollars, which is also what an education might reasonably cost in some situations. But for a typical 17 year old, you know, again, there's no difference. So they could just as easily decide on the hundred thousand as the 10,000 and not realize how much of a difference they're making in their, in their life. And again, I'm not saying the hundred thousand is the wrong path. As you mentioned, like nursing, right? I've seen situations where a student decides to, you know, start at the lowest nursing degrees, which is typically a a one-year certificate or a two-year certificate, something like that, earn that degree part-time while working, you know, at the hospital doing something that doesn't even take a degree. And then when they get the, their lowest level nursing degree, they keep working and then maybe the hospital pays for something. And then eight years later, they've lived like a poor college student for eight years. And then they finally have their RN and they're off to the races. And they don't have a lot of debt because they worked their way through it. And they worked, you know, again, and they struggled in some ways. And it was, you know, a lot of work. Conversely, you know, a typical nurse out of school may get a signing bonus now and certainly will make, you know, 25, 35, $45 an hour kind of things, depending on where, you know, they're working swing shift in the emergency room on a Saturday night. They're making good money. Um, yeah. especially if they're, if that's not their normal job, if they're just getting, doing it for cash, cause they're not getting benefits, right? You're moonlighting at the emergency room. A lot of those, you know, those types of jobs are crazy as far as benefit, you know, cost or excuse me, pay. Um, so another path might be do what it takes to get your RN degree in the first four years, continue to live like a poor college student, which is a challenge. But if you did that, you'd have substantial cash flow to pay off those loans. And you could be in the exact same place eight years down the road, but you have to have the discipline to get through the nursing degree. And then you have to have the discipline to aggressively pay back loans and still live at home or live with four roommates or whatever you did and would have done in college, right? Out of necessity, when you're a poor college student, you have three roommates in a dumpy old house somewhere 
and it's a mile walk to campus, but you can't afford a car, et cetera, et cetera. So if you did that, right, if you walked to the hospital because you can't afford a car and you had four roommates, and but instead of walking to the college, you walked past the college and walked to the hospital, where a lot of colleges and hospitals are right next to each other, then that would work out great. And I think, but again, most people understand that logic. Once they graduate with a nursing degree and are making good money, they need a new car and they need an apartment by themselves and they need, you know, they need to grow their lifestyle right up to whatever they're earning. And then that 50 or 60 or $70,000 of loans. Now they stretch that, you know, that follows them around. Then they have kids and then, you know, and all of a sudden they're unhappy that this debt that they didn't take care of, like they perhaps they could have or should have is, you know, again, still there when they're saying, well, I got to pay for daycare, et cetera, et cetera, or kids or whatever. And I'm still making student loan payments at 600 a month. You know, know, it's, it's, it's a burden, but again, they could have been paid off, you know? So I think what it really takes is understanding the, the opportunities. And again, you know, to put some numbers around that, um, if you can be independent, there's, you know, about $10,000 of federal grants that you may qualify for and another nine or $10,000 student loans that you may qualify for per year. You know, back in the day when I first started driving for a living and back when satellite radio was still a thing, I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's even, even exists now, if people use that still or not, but it was at the time. And when you drive all night, you need something to keep you awake. And that's where I ran across Dave Ramsey and, and some of the things that he talked about like that. And that whole concept of living like no one else so that later on you can live like no one else. Mm -hmm. And I pounded this stuff into my kids and they actually thought the word Dave Ramsey was a curse word. I think at one point, (laughs) (laughs) but today my son is 23 years old. He owns his own house. Um, he owns a car, um, that he's looking at upgrading soon and he's got it figured out within what a few months he'll have the car paid off and all of his debt except for the house. And he's pretty certain he can pay the house off in about three or four years. And you know, the house was a little under $200,000 when he bought it. And I'm like, dude, if you owned your house before you were 25, like you're weird. I just want you to know that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And again, that's just an unusual way to do it, but there's nothing wrong with it. And that's because dad's looking for a loan soon. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But, But you know, it comes back to that whole, that whole college problem where it's so expensive to, uh, to, to go to school for so many kids. And, you know, so for especially the parents like who have been down the same road like Amanda and I have where we've adopted kids, we have a lot of kids. And so the, the college question is real. I mean, I have a, I have I can tell you which kids for sure don't need college right now. They they need something else in their life. My my second oldest son, he is um he was never a, a school kid. Right. He went to school and even even he ended up in the alternative school program because he was not good sitting in class and paying attention and doing his thing. And the teacher in there was actually a, a pretty, I like the guy. He was a pretty smart dude. And he said to me once, he said, Austin is an old soul. He knows that most of what we do in high school is BS and he's not willing to abide the BS. That's why he doesn't do well in traditional school. And today he's, he's doing well for himself, but right now he really wants to go out and find himself a good welding school and just go learn how to do some, some, some welding for a career. He really seems to enjoy it. You know, some folks on here, nope, and some don't, but I have a little bit of a hobby in blacksmithing. It's just what I do to, 
to uh, kind of settle my own brain, go heat some metal and beat it around and bang it around. So I know a little bit about welding, but if I welded it, whatever you do, please God, don't step on it and treat it like it's gonna be structurally sound because I'm not skilled in that. But it's something that he's taken an interest in and, and he just wants to go do that and then see what he can do with that kind of a career, which again is great money and doesn't require a traditional college. And you can usually cash flow those sorts of schools if if you're paying attention, but I don't didn't need to figure out a four-year degree for him, how to pay for that. I knew that. I knew that kid. Um, but right. I know that that some of the other kids I have are, are looking at that, and they're going to want to go down that road. And so that's really the challenge of adopted, adoptive parents is that we look at it and go, hmm, there is something here I need to start paying attention to real soon. And uh, I really wish that, like, from the day that Janiah came to our house, if I had put $1,000 in the bank every month, I mean, college would be a lot easier conversation right now. Oh, for sure. Right. And I think that's a, you know, for those that have relatively young kids, um, you know, I need to kind of tell you the story of what I see a lot because I think it, it, it happened because of decisions parents made when they had young kids and now they're kind of stuck in a tight situation and it doesn't really matter what your income is. I've seen families earning a hundred thousand, 200,000, 300,000, look me in the eye and say, I can't afford college. Right. And anybody that's earning a hundred thousand looks at someone earning 200,000 and say, well, that's crazy. Why can't you afford college? And it's the bigger garage theory, right? I don't care how big your garage is. It's full. And why is that? Cause you don't consider throwing stuff out till the garage is full. So <laughs> if you've got a four car garage and lots of toys in there and so forth, it, right. But you're like, okay, well, I can't get anything else in the garage. I, something's going to have to go out, but we don't even think about think that way until it's full. It's the same with our income. If we learn how to spend it before we learn how to save it and learn how to allocate it to things that are important to us, it will go to things that aren't important to us if that's, you know, if we're not careful. And that's where, you know, so I, again, I see a lot of times where someone earning 150,000 is saying, well, you know, I got this big mortgage payment that we've got to make because we upgraded our house and then we took a second mortgage to fix up the bathrooms and all the kids are active in these expensive sports. You know, one of them dances, one of them's involved in karate and one of them, you know, and all those coaches and, and trainings and, you know, that's thousands of dollars a year for each one of them and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, okay, well, is college important to you? Yes. Is it the, what, you know, what, tell me what's the most important things. Well, retirement and then college or college and then retirement is what I typically hear. And I say, well, where does expensive dance class fit into that? Well, but she loves it so much. How could I possibly say no? Well, I, I don't know the, you know, but again, when you were making decisions on all these different choices and commitments, you've kind of skipped the idea that college is expensive and you, you feel like you're on the hook for that too. I have many parents tell me, you know, I'm responsible to pay for college. It's like, okay, well then you're not, but you're not acting like, it. you know, you're not really, um, building your budget appropriately. So I think that's where a lot of decisions come in around. If you, again, commit to the big house and you continually buy, you know, every five years you buy a new car and all that kind of stuff. And then you get to college and realize, and again, sometimes we can correct where we say, all right, well, let's stop buying a new car every three years. That's not an economical way to have transportation. Um, <laughs> it is a convenient way but it isn't an economical way, potentially, you know, so you can find ways to, you know, squeeze it in sometimes, 
And often that's the discussion I'm having is, can we downsize? Do we have to have the lake home? Do we have to have, you know, big vacations or small vacations? You know, what is it that we're willing to give up? And sometimes it's relatively easy because we're going to give up some things that they kind of forgot they were paying for. I mean, how many subscriptions, you know, managing your subscriptions, right? I've got this movie channel and that movie channel and then Amazon and then Netflix. And then I upgraded Netflix for a while. And then I added in AMC or whatever. And there's all these different little $4 and $5 and $10 a month things that you can sign up for. Then forget that they're even hitting your checking account and say, Oh, gee, I haven't watched anything on that. You know, I haven't watched the Disney channel since the kids were seven and eight and they're now 10 and 12. Whoa. Whoops. We could have turned <laughs> that off years ago. And at, and again, it's not huge, but all these things add up. So, yeah, you're talking about garages makes me think, you know, you know, um, I had a friend of mine once say something to me. Um, it was if if you really want to know what's important to you, just let me let me take a look at your your uh, your calendar and your check register. Not that most people know a check register. How about your bank balance? <laughs> right. Your, your transaction sheet. Right. Because, you know, if I look in that garage and there's Harleys and Lamborghinis in there, we know what's more important to you. Full disclosure, I have a Harley in my garage. It was bought used for a reason because I mm, mm, I love them, but uh, mm, forty five grand for no, that's not that's two wheels is all you get for forty five grand. No sir, I can't do that. <laughs> exactly. I can do that on a much cheaper Harley. But but you know you look at at where we spend your money. Actually look at that, and the subscriptions is one of those things that that we forget how much money we waste on those things. Yeah, absolutely, and that's where. And again, so it's overall budgeting, but I think the challenge for many families, especially, and I'm sure you're in this boat with seven, but when you have teenagers, not only are you dealing with what stuff costs, but you're dealing with the time element as well, where, yes, I could go to the grocery store and buy the groceries there, um, or I can go to the convenience store that's on my way, and I know I'm going to pay a dollar more per item. But I don't care because I got to get the food and get it home and get it cooked and get it on the table before and I forgot to buy this or we're short that and you know so we do some of the things out of convenience and there's nothing wrong with that but we just have to be aware what we're doing out of convenience and um and I think the overall budgeting and financial planning is either you got to spend the time and learn it and do it well or find someone to help you with it or take some courses it's kind of like taxes right if the, there is no, well, I'm just not going to do taxes. <laughs> that will come back and bite you for sure, right? So everybody's <laughs> going to do their taxes. You have no choice. Okay. So then it's, well, how are you going to do it? You can learn all about how to do taxes and literally go to the library or the post office or whatever and get the old paper forms and do it by hand the old-fashioned way. And if you you know spend a lot of time and effort and learn what you're doing, you can do that. Or you can say, well, I'm just going to go buy that software program. And there's a lot of low cost and free now as well. The government is pushing for that type of stuff. So I'm going to go use the software and get it done. Or I'm going to take it to an H&R block. And again, there's a little bit of a risk there, right? Because it's like, well, it's the guy that's doing my taxes. Was he trained, you know, in the last four weeks and he really doesn't know what he's doing, but he, or I'm going to take it to a CPA that I know has got a degree and has taken tests and prove he knows what he's doing, et cetera, et cetera. 
you know, and again, if you have simple taxes, it's probably not a risk. But when we start talking about foster care and some of these additional challenges around, you know, that there's extra stuff that they need to understand. So is it wise to go to someone that just slams it together and doesn't really know what they're doing? Probably not because they might miss something for you and cost you more than, than you save. But again, I don't know. And again, maybe that's something that your show has covered in the past, but not really, but I can say that there was a federal adoption tax credit available that mm -hmm. I, it was, I forget the numbers because I paid somebody to do my taxes for a reason. Because when, when we adopted the first two kids, I knew nothing about it and never applied for it. And by the time I found out about it and applied for the, the second time when we adopted the, and the next kids and went, holy crap, that's a huge chunk of money that, that I didn't have to blow. And, um, and yeah, it was too late by then to go back and, and redo the, the original ones. But finding somebody who knows what they're doing in that situation, you know, if you have adopted a kid recently within the last couple of years, for sure, check with somebody who knows something about that adoption tax credit because it's a big one. I was blown away how much, you, you know, you can actually, I mean, be, and, and rightfully so, if you think about it, especially if you're adopting kids to the foster care system, right? How right. expensive is it for the, for the government to raise a kid, to take oh. care of all that? And how good of a job do they do with things that they spend <laughs> a lot of money on anyways? You know, I won't get too deep into politics there, but let's just say I haven't seen the government being really skillful at that sort of thing in a while. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, paying somebody who, who knows how to handle that stuff makes some sense to me and that's why i take my stuff to to a gal here locally who who has those letters behind her name and knows how to do that because i don't you know right. so, you know the the adoption thing is is big as far as tax credits go i know and it, right exactly that, and the same can be said around college is because adoption and foster care is a little bit unique you need to potentially find those experts that can really understand your situation and help you through it because it can make a difference. Or again, you can become the expert and, and do that. And I think most families and most parents are saying, well, we're busy. We're not, you know, it used to be, you could repair your own car. Well, the, the, there's too many computers in them now and they're so packedly tight, packed so tightly that most people say, well, I can't get to where I need to do the work. And there's some, you know, you need special tools, you need a computer to plug into it. It just isn't, you know, it's beyond my capabilities now. And I think that's <laughs> yeah. where, you know, so most people don't repair their own cars anymore. It was a you know common thing. You change your own oil and change and fix your own cars and do your own brakes and that kind of stuff. When we were kids, I remember my dad doing it. Um, but I don't do it. And my kids, you know, now don't learn how to work with tools because of it. And that's what something I did was, you know, shattered him a little bit and kind of learned some, some of the basics, but yeah, the first that, you time know, I, the very first time I tried to, tried to jump start a car and couldn't find the battery because mm -hmm. it was <laughs> under the back seat. Who puts <laughs> the battery for the car under the back seat? What kind of what kind of hateful people are you that you design it that way? So I yeah, it took a while and, and eventually took an owner's manual just to be able to figure out how to jump start this car. But wow, I've never yeah. even heard of that. But oh yeah, some you're of right, exactly. It's like I think that it boils down to you don't know what you don't know and. I think around, you know, taxes, it's a mature industry and there's various levels of experts and you know, they exist and you know, you can go find them with college. There's various levels of experts as well, but it's a new industry, so to speak. There are experts out there that will help you work with a student to figure out what 
to do around should I, you know, what should my major be? Is tech college appropriate? Is four-year college appropriate? Is a gap year appropriate? Is apprenticeships appropriate? There's experts out there that now work with students regularly. It's their job. So they do it day in and day out versus a parent who's saying, I've never done this before, but somehow I have to coach my kid to decide if they should go to a two-year school or go get an apprenticeship, or maybe they should go get that four-year degree. And it's like, I don't even know. I mean, again, one of those, another example I like to use is piano, right? If your kid came to you and said, I'd love to learn how to play the piano. And you, uh, you don't, you would say, okay, well, I've got a couple of choices here. I can learn how to play the piano and then teach them how to play the piano. I can go find somebody else that knows how to play the piano and have them teach them. Maybe there's something where we can sign up for a course where they can learn online for piano. But we, you know, again, would tend to say, well, let's, let's go find a piano instructor or a piano class at the high school or whatever, right? I mean, there's options. You just start exploring. There's options now around college, things like gap year, and there's tutors out there to help with test prep, which is another, you know, kind of a quicksand right now, because the testing industry and the testing process is changing quickly right now. So it's hard to know. You can go test optional, you can maybe take the test, but again, so there's test prep, there's people that help work with students to figure out what they want to be when they grow up, help them write essays help them if they're trying to get into competitive colleges, help them be as competitive as they can be. Um, special needs, you know, if you're dealing with learning disabilities or special diets or things like that, there's experts out there that can help you find colleges that meet those needs. Um, and then there's experts like me that help parents with the, you know, again, I don't help students. If you said, well, my student's struggling with their essay, it's like, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I got a couple of people I can send you to, but you don't want me working on someone's essay. It will not add value. Um, but I can certainly help you, you know, figure out retirement and college. I can help you figure out, you know, what colleges might come in at a decent price based on your particular situation. Um, where do you send parents to find that kind of information? Because here's the thing is that kids who come into a foster care, they're going to have some trauma stories and there are going to be some effects of that in their life. Kids who are adopted are most likely going to have some trauma story in their life. They're going to have some level of special needs in their life. And, and so when you have a parent who's talking about that, do you have resources that you tend to send people to, or do you have, have that on a website somewhere? Oh yeah. So, yeah. So, on my website, tamingthehighcostofcollege.com, we have a podcast where I've interviewed those types of experts. So you can scroll through the podcast and literally listen to a half hour episode to learn about, well, what do I do if I have an athlete? What if I do if I have ADHD? What do I do if I have, there's probably a podcast about it. And if there isn't, let me know and I'll go make one. Um, <laughs> so that's, I guess, one, one thought. The other thought is, you know, if it forced in particular in the education industry, there are a couple of professional organizations now. There's the IEC, Independent Educational Consultant, and HECA, H-E-C-A, Higher Education Consultant Association, I think that stands for. Both of those are organizations that, um, where people can kind of get where the those types of consultants join. And then you, there's actually a membership shirt search there where you can say, I want to find a consultant. 
And some of the, you know, and then we got some qualifications like this person works with special needs. This person works with international students. This person works with, you know, so they have, some of them have specialties and some of them are generalists and, you know, so you can reach out to them. Um, you know, obviously starting with Google and that type of thing. And I think the also works, you know, if you want to find someone local as well, but yeah, so and then on my website as well, there's a lot of free resources and I'm, I'm building a course and that type of thing. So there's something kind of in between, you know, my free resources, you can upgrade to the course and then, you know, get a little more information that way. What you may learn is, oh, this is something I can handle because I've, you know, the course is walking me through it. Or you might say, oh, even with the course, I'm overwhelmed. And then of course you can step up from there if you want, but I think people need to make that conscious decision of, am I going to do it? And if I am going to do it, what kind of time and commitment is it? Or again, am I going to get help in some fashion? Yeah. Cause the whole college thing I've been told by many a parent is kind of like taking on a part-time job, getting that all figured out. So that's all over at taming the high cost of college.com, right? Correct. And what was the name of your podcast? Taming the high cost of college. That's pretty easy to find, I would think, huh? Yes, exactly. Because, well, this is the audience, the people here who are listening, are the people who listen to podcasts. And if you have a kid going in that direction, I mean, I drive for a living, so I have a whole lot of time to sit out there on the road and listen to lots of things. So, like I said, I've got kids with plenty of special needs. I mean, you name some of those acronyms, you know, ADHD, ADD, uh, like like I've got. I've got several acronyms in my household. And so yep. that, that's some stuff that's going to be of real use for, for me and people like me who, who struggle with these things because, man, you know, some of them, you know, ADHD, that's, that can be a kid's superpower, absolute superpower. It can also be the kid's downfall. And yes. so depending on how you handle that as a parent and then figuring out how to help your kids through that, because let's be honest, these kids will hopefully all outlive us. Yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> We're hoping they're going to make it off to college and go make a wonderful life for themselves later on in life. And it's going to be a journey for them to walk through some of those diagnoses. And the more that we can find resources now and help them now get things together so they can they can sit in that college classroom and learn and, and become someone that, that they're happy to be if that's how they're wired or if it's an apprenticeship or they become you know, a plumber or a, or a carpenter, because I'm just going to tell you, I've got a couple friends of mine who work in the building trades and I don't care what anybody says right now. If you want to work in some of those, man, you'll make some really good money. If carpentry oh, yeah. is your skill set. Absolutely. I mean, again, I mean, realistically, I think there's a shift going on in the world where 25 years ago, it was get a college education and you're instantly employable and life is going to work out perfect for you. All I got to do is get bad education. Well, the challenge is people have got so many people have gotten the college education where that isn't necessarily a differentiator anymore. Um, a lot of businesses, however, used to use it. It's changed recently because of their hard, having a hard time finding employees, but they used to say must have a four-year degree, not because they felt the four-year degree was going to teach you something that was actually applicable to the job, but it helped them narrow the candidates down. And they were pretty comfortable that, you know, again, if you just said high school graduate, well, there's a lot of high school graduates now that 
are really, really unqualified. They can barely read and, you know, math is a, strong, is not, is a challenge, so forth and so on. So they say must have a college degree. They just kind of upped the commitment of, okay, here's someone that had the tenacity to get the four-year degree done. Again, they didn't expect you to learn anything in the four-year degree that was necessarily applicable to the job you're going to do. And a lot of times they don't care what the degree is in. They just want that. They didn't get sued for discrimination by saying that. So that was, you know, and again, it limited them having to sift through and try and figure out who is actually qualified or not. Well, recently, again, with the change in the employment and what's been going on with the great resignation, et cetera, a lot of industries are now saying, you know, we can't put that on there. We need to get more qualified applicants. And we're going to take that person with five years of experience and but didn't quite finish the degree or never even went to school. But if they've got experience doing the job, I think we'll say that's good enough. Um, where they might've gotten filtered out by the computer instantly and never even gotten on the desk because of they didn't check the box for four-year degree. So I think that's changing. And I think it's gonna get more nuanced. I hope it's gonna get more nuanced going forward. I hope it doesn't go back to the way it was when, when and if it, you know, this, this swings the other way. Um, again, because I don't think four-year education is the perfect solution um, for many. It's only a great path for some. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's um, that's uh, one of those things we have to really pay attention to is that while we would all love to send our kids off to college and have them go be wildly successful and all that good stuff, chances are that's not really the the story for every kid because I went to college for a little while and my degree is in, um, Oh wait, I didn't finish college. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and right. I make a really good living, you know, according to the national standards, I make a really good living doing what I do and I make good money and I've been able to raise many children, <laughs> you yes, know, sounds I've, like it. I've owned seven and we had close to 30 come through our house over the years. So that's a lot of kids we've been able to take care of on that salary that, that didn't have a college. So it's important to realize that college isn't for everyone. But for those of us that have a kid who's you're like, yeah, this one needs to go to school. Like, you know, I don't care how much you know. You're not going to get to the place where my daughter wants to be. I hope without a college degree because because she wants to, like, look at brains and stuff. Oh, right. Exactly. And that's, I think, another thing to really think about is there's various types of degrees and various jobs and relationships, right? If you want to be a nurse, pretty much your only choice is to go get a nursing degree. <laughs> That's just the way it works. Yeah. Same with you know, elementary education, right? If you want to be a teacher, you got to go get a teaching degree. And conversely, if you go get a teaching degree, most of the jobs you're qualified for are going to be teaching. Um, or you can go into those careers where they say any, any four-year degree will do, or education is not required. Then there's other areas. If you want to be a rock star, well, what college do you go to? If you want to be a graphic <laughs> designer, Right. I mean, you've got some websites and that type of thing. If you need help with graphic design, do you care where they went to college? Or do you say, show me some of your work. Let's see if you can do what I need done. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality. Show me what you can do. And if you can do it, you get the job. And there's a lot of jobs that don't exist yet that they can't have a degree teach you. They're, someone's going to change careers. Right. When cell phones first became a thing, lots of people changed careers to learn how to sell cell phones, learn how to create apps for cell phones because there was, you know, they didn't exist. So nobody had degrees. Now you probably could go get a degree in cell phone 
something or another, I'm sure, <laughs> or an emphasis at a college because they've been around long enough where they, that type of thing exists. But when they, whatever the next big thing is, whether it's, you know, again, driverless cars, you know, someone's going to have to know how to work with those cars and fix them and maintain them and, you know, understand in, in, you know, work with our accidents, be the, you know, a driverless car accident investigator. What degree do you need for that job? <laughs> it's coming, right? Weaving. <laughs> right, exactly. So there's just all kinds of different things to think about and there's no good path. And it's one of the many things that parents have to deal with. And it is overwhelming, but it's also, I think, one of the more important things that parents at least, you know, give the, their kids a little bit of a push in the right direction and, you know, get them thinking. And for many kids, they're going to do it wrong. All right. They're going to say, I want to be this when I grow up. Then they go do that for five years and say, no, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. It was a place to start. And now I'm going to do a hard left turn. I did that. I mean, I have an engineering degree. I haven't done engineering work in 25 years. Um, now, again, working in the financial industry is a lot like engineering. It's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of problem solving. It's a lot of, so the stuff I learned in engineering, I certainly apply to this day. The willingness to go learn, the willingness to say, well, you know, I got to figure it out. If someone's going to do it, it, may as well be me. Um, and that's where, and again, how do you learn how to do a podcast? Where's podcasting school? Well, there's no official degree in podcasting yet, but it's coming. It's coming. Um, it's becoming, you know, it's becoming more mainstream now, but you certainly don't need a degree to do that. And, you know, those of us that did it without the degree are going to laugh at the kids that get the degree, right? We say, well, you, just, <laughs> you, you were taken advantage of, but that's, you know, again, looking at the bigger picture and spending your time and effort and resources where they're going to make the most impact, I think is where many families need to just focus. Yeah. Because, you know, honestly, I drive a truck for a living five days a week and <clears throat> I'm going to tell you something. I am the last of the breed of guys who learned how to drive a truck with a guy who owned it sitting in the passenger seat. And you learn not, not to grind his gears, both metaphorically and physically, because it hurt your knuckles if you did. You know, he was not <laughs> very kind about that. And today, I don't think you can you can do it that way, really. It's almost oh, no. impossible to do it that way. You have to go to a school, and you're going to drop a few thousand. You're going to drop some money just trying to get to a school like that. And so so schools like that that didn't even exist back then, really, are, are the norm now. And so the idea that that the job you're going to to set yourself up for college or for, for a lifetime right now may not even exist today is one of those challenges around, around college for a lot of kids. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, there's a challenge too with, um, there's a lot of kids that are very focused and they know what they want to be when they grow up, at least they think they do. So they've got a path. And that makes life so much simpler than when a student says, well, maybe I should be a teacher, but I like music. Maybe I could get involved in symphony or editing music, but I also like math. So maybe I could be a scientist and they just bounce around. And, you know, so sometimes it's the, the, the really smart, talented kids who are saying, I got so many talents and so many interests. Why, why are you making me pick one? I, I want to do them all. And they're struggling. And then there's the kids who really just say, I you know, 
I really like computer games and hanging with my friends. And do I really have to figure out what I want to be when I grow up? Can't I just stay in the basement and play games? And, you know, it hurts to think about this and I don't want to make, I don't want to pick the wrong thing. And I'm getting a lot of pressure from outside forces that if I say what I really want, people, you know, judge me for it. And, you know, those kinds of issues as well. And I think that's a big challenge there. Brad, there's an important question that we need to make sure we talk about before we finish this for sure. And that is, um, because my, my boys would like this answer. How do you start a gaming YouTube channel and make millions of dollars? Cause that's what they plan on. Yes. Well, it is a career path. <clears throat> the challenge is there's lots of people in that career path. So you got to create videos that people like better than what's out there now, right? The, the trendsetters, the guys that went out there and made the YouTube channel before they existed, they were the only game in town. So once you watch them because there was no choices, but as an industry matures, there's a challenge again of, okay, well, why would I switch from the guys that are already there to you? What are you going to offer? Right. I mean, that's, and it's going to happen, right? The person that invented whatever didn't necessarily corner the market forever, right? I mean, Coca-Cola might've been first, but Pepsi came second and lots of other choices came third, fourth, and fifth, right? So not to say Coca-Cola is bad, but I mean, Coca-Cola is still there, but now we have choices and focuses and specialties and that kind of thing. So I don't know a lot about YouTube, to be honest with you, other than <laughs> kids love it. And, yeah. uh, you're supposed to have all the answers for how them to become a millionaire by playing games right. on YouTube. That's right. what they really want to know more than anything. Because I actually have a kid who seriously thought that was a career path for him. And I'm like, you know, you might want to have a backup thought in this, right? Because, yes, it has happened. You're right. It has mm -hmm. happened. And some of those guys are wildly popular. Um, but, you know, I played football in the front yard as a kid. And the NFL has not handed me one red cent yet either. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Right. Exactly. Switching from a hobby or a side hustle to a full-time career, that's a big challenge, right? I mean, there's lots of people that do podcasting on the side. There's a few that do podcasting as a living. There's lots of people that do music on the side. There's a few that do it as a side hustle, and there's even fewer that do it as a living. And... Yeah, who is it? Pat Flynn? Are you familiar with Pat Flynn? Yeah, I am very. Yep, SPI. Yeah, absolutely. Pat Flynn is one of those guys that I'm like, this dude is like a genius. He's built a freaking empire that all started from like a podcast. Really, I actually started from a blog, but but quickly turned into a podcast. And and the dude has an empire built around that. He's a genius on, on how he created it. But I think so many of us are, are busy trying to figure out how to emulate what he did so that we can have his success instead of realizing that eh, the next big thing is the big thing. That's where the next guy is going to make his, his billion dollar. Right. Well, for sure. But let's use that as an example. Right. So there's the SPI podcast and he is doing phenomenally well and, and making a killing. But there are podcasts consultants out there, as an example, that know what they're doing, that go around and help businesses launch little niche podcasts and those consultants make a living. Now, again, they're not making millions, but they make enough to feed their family and live comfortably. Um, and then there's people that do podcasting on the side where they just get a supplemental income and they enjoy doing it anyway. So may as well do it. Maybe that's, you know, and then there's someone like me who's like, well, I do podcasting, but it's directly related to my business. And 
you know, the stuff I'm talking about is what my business is about. So it's essentially advertising for me. And I pay those consultants that I just mentioned, right? When it's time to edit my podcast, I, you know, I, I write a check. Um, when it comes to figuring out how to set up, set stuff up, I, you know, write a check, I hire an intern. I, there's all kinds of different avenues. And I think it, you just need to jump in there and explore. And a lot of parents just want the quick fix, right? I want the 10 tips to solve my stuff while I'm standing here in the line at the grocery store. And I want to read those 10 tips and I want my problem to go away. And Are you kidding? We're, we're down to, it's got to be three tips now and fit on a magazine <laughs> cover. <laughs> right. So, and that's where, again, figuring out what's important and, and forcing that to be the, the focus, I think both for the students and for the parents and just understanding what you're up against is a, is a challenge. I appreciate your time today, Brad. That's, that's really helpful because like I mentioned, I have a daughter who's, who's got me, you know, trying to convince me to look at Harvard and Yale. So I'm gonna have to go look and find out exactly what that is here in the next year or two. So I can be scared to death for, <laughs> for a while as we walk this journey and try and try and figure out what, what college is actually going to cost for her. And uh, with any luck, she will be the one that they can afford to put me in a decent retire ho retirement home someday. So, <laughs> because right. unlike the people that you talk to, I do not necessarily have all that figured out and ready to go. So, you know, that that's something I'm, I'm kind of leaning on on these seven kids. One of them, one of them ought to at least be able to afford a decent retirement home for me when I get to that point, right? Yeah. Or they could just divide it by seven, and they all could chip in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Some of them, are, some of them are still teenagers. And so I'm not even having that conversation yet. Cause right now, <laughs> <laughs> right now they're going to research what are the retirement homes that beat the residents most regularly. That'll be, what <laughs> <laughs> That'll yes. be what they're looking for. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but, but I have teenage kids. Some of them are teenagers right now. And yeah, that's, that's just not the place where you want to have those, those conversations for sure. Not until they get a little older. Oh, for sure. Well, thank you for your time today, Brad. I really appreciate you bringing some value to our audience because, you know, that's something we all, we all, we join this, this fraternity of, of adoptive parents or, or sometimes foster parents. And we don't, we don't usually step into it thinking about, about things like college, you know, we're looking at this little kid and we want to help mm -hmm. this little kid and we want to change their life forever. And sometimes we forget that forever means through college as well. Right. All so. right. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate you being here, man. Uh, so we will uh, we'll go ahead and, and put the landing gear down on this call, guys. Um, if you have any questions for Brad or, um, well, Brad, what is, what is an email address where people can reach out to you at? Uh, we can go to the website and reach me there. Um, but Brad at tamingthehighcostofcollege.com will get, get to me as well. And again, all there's a contact me. There's a phone number even on my website if you're so inclined. Um, but yeah, everything is there. Just click around and do what you need to do. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time. And we'll make sure all those links get on the show notes. So if you guys are listening to this in Apple Podcasts, I say this every so often, me and Apple have a, a love-hate relationship. I love that they put it out and there's lots of resources, but the show note links sometimes don't work on Apple Podcasts and they don't answer my emails to tell me why. So um, worst case scenario, if you go to our website at Foster Care Nation, you can find all the links there and I'll make sure those are active links. Okay, Foster Care Nation, thank you for listening to Brad. 
Now take his knowledge and wisdom to heart so you can create love and healing in your family and community. Be sure to come back next week. We have new episodes every Tuesday. If you'd like to share your story as a guest, you can reach us at jason at fostercarenation.com. You can connect with other like-minded people on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash fostercareuj. And don't forget, we have an account over at buymeacoffee.com. It's like a virtual tip jar where you can help us fund our mission for as little or as much as you want. It's at buymeacoffee.com slash fostercare. The links to everything are in the show notes on your podcast player or at fostercarenation.com. And as always, you are so super awesome. I thank you guys. Thank you for listening. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Unparalleled Studios. Studios.